0: You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. We believe that today's message will help you thrive in your relationship with Jesus as you follow him. We'll be back after the podcast with more information. And now, today's message from Pastor Aaron Kozlovski, right here at Passion Church. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. It's good to see all of you. And uh well, this will be the second time I preach this message today. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> and you're wondering how and why. Um so this morning around 3:30 or so, my wife wakes me up. Says, "Um I think I think we're there."
1: <laughs>
0: we were we were 7 minutes apart for a couple hours there, and then they just stopped. (laughs) Like, really? This kid is already a jokester, and he isn't even born yet. It's not even fair, because realistically, this is the third Saturday in a row that this kid has done this. (laughs) So Josiah, we love you, can't wait to meet you, knock it off, okay. (laughs) Seriously. <laughs> no joke. Third Saturday in a row. Um, I want to I show uh, Food Pantry this past Wednesday. Um, man, God is so faithful. Everyone just say God is faithful. God is faithful. This past Wednesday, actually, no, not on Wednesday. Um, on Saturday, we were pretty much completely out of food. And we had pantry coming up on Wednesday night. And another church, uh, Grace Church in uh, Glen Rock, heard of our need through someone who actually went to the pantry. And they heard, and they jumped on board, and they mobilized their church, and they all got together. And all these bags that you see are results of, of people's generosity, giving through... Um, so that we can bless our community. And uh, so I just wanted to thank Grace Church and, um, and Sherry Davis and, uh, and obviously all of our incredible uh, volunteers who actually made all these bags and put them together and pre-bagged every single one of these uh, sets. And that was just uh, an incredible picture of them working Wednesday morning. And uh, we're just so grateful because it's an honor to be able to, to uh, take care of those who are in need. And um, it's funny, our, our voicemail at church used to be uh, just, you know, people um, looking to sell things. And, and now it's, when's your pantry? When's your pantry? My family and I are in need, when's your pantry? And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for all you do. Uh, You guys really do rock. Well, let's pray, and uh, we're going to get right into the message today. Father, we thank you that obedience is better, period. Lord, I thank you that you bless, you bless each and every one of us. Lord, you are so faithful. Lord, there's not a single one of us, Lord, today who are on a park bench waiting for their mom to return. There's not a single one of us, Lord, (laughs) that have third world problems. Lord, you really have blessed. Lord, we're so spoiled and we're so grateful, God. We choose in this moment to recognize how good you are and how great you are and how you take care of every one of our needs. and We thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for your blessing. But Lord, today as we learn about obedience, Lord, we thank you that each of our hearts are open. We are ready to receive your implanted word. We give you glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So uh, like I was saying, uh, this is the second time i preached this message because at 4 a.m. this morning, I started recording just in case we weren't gonna be here because <laughs> we wasn't sure. <laughs> Hallelujah, but, but the jokester stopped, and uh, here we are. So I'm going to start this morning in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's not up there. Don't worry. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Before we get talking about obedience and some of the ramifications for obedience, obedience is really a trust thing. Hands down, simple as that. Obedience is a trust thing. Do you trust God? Do you trust that his plans for your life are actually better than your own? Do you trust that what he has intended for you is better than you can come up with? that his wildest dreams are so far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Obedience is a trust thing. Do I actually believe that if I do what God says, I'll be okay? Do I actually believe that if I obey, obeying him, is better than winding up with what I can do on my own. No matter how much we manipulate, no matter how much we we try to um, juggle things around, obedience is always better. And so I want to start this morning uh, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, the story of Saul. Uh, God asks Saul to do something, and we're about to read that. Um, But Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul, uh, the people of Israel had said, hey, God, um, all our neighboring towns have kings. We want to be like everyone else. That's what they said. And so God said, you don't want that. And they said, yes, we want to be like everyone else. And God said, you don't want that. And they said, yes, we want to be like everyone else. And God said, okay, fine, have it your way, have fun. And so he gave them a king, and their first king was King Saul. And King Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was a tall guy. And so here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 15. One day Samuel said to Saul, oh, was it up there? (laughs) Wow, it is amazing how good a 4 a.m. brain can work. All right, next slide, please. Oh, it might be out of betters. Um, One day, Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of this people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, Babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Let me just tell you, when you go against God's chosen people, it does not bode well for you. You do not want God to be your enemy. And this is what the Amalekites did. When God rescued Israel and he brought them through the Red Sea, the Amalekites tried to take advantage and wipe out the Jews at that moment. It didn't work. But later on, we find out that this is not the first, the last time that an Amalekite tries to wipe out the Jewish people. And so God's like, their wickedness has come to its peak. It has come to a full fruition. It's time to get rid of them. They need to go. The earth is not okay when they're here. And so um, this is God's command. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? Let me just tell you. Don't go against God. Being God's enemy is not a good place to be. That's not where you want to be. First Samuel chapter 15. So Saul and the um, entire army go and they uh, attack the Amalekites. So what did God say? Destroy everything. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites, verse 7, from... Thanks, kid. From Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt, he captured Agag. Wait a minute. Captured? That doesn't sound right. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep. Uh Uh-oh, it's getting worse. The goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact... This is crazy. That appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. It's amazing how we as a people do this still today. I know what God says, but that can't be what He means. I know what God says, but you know what? He understands my heart. I know what God says, but you know what? It's just not, it's just not culturally relevant anymore. And so we got to understand what was kind of going on here. If in this time period, if you uh, captured an enemy king, you didn't kill him. You took him as a tribute to yourself. You took him to parade around your greatness that you conquered them and they are, maybe you would cut off their fingers so they could never hold a thank you. So they could never hold a sword again. Maybe you cut off all their toes so they could never run again. Maybe you humiliated them publicly for the rest of your reign. And you didn't want them to die. You wanted them to stay alive. So it would be a public spectacle. And here Saul is allowing, thank you. Saul is allowing what is going on in culture in that day to affect how he's interpreting what God asked him to do. That's a dangerous place to be, church. Not only that, but he kept everything that appealed to him. Verse 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully may the lord bless you he said i have carried out the lord's instructions or commands i did it i did it this is samuel's reply then what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle that i hear it's true That the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Surely this is a good reason. Uh, You didn't really mean what you said, right? This is a good reason. I'm doing a good thing here. I am helping you out by not obeying you fully. Trust me. Then Samuel said, but they were going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else, verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord said to me last night. What did he tell you? Can you hear the excitedness in his voice? He's like, I did it, I am awesome. What did the Lord tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Isn't this good enough? I got the gist of what God was saying. Isn't it good enough to really be close enough to what I think he was trying to ask? Surely God understands. Surely God understands that the men expected me to take back Agag. Surely God understands that that. That it's, it's just society at large, it's not my fault. I, you know, I can't go against everyone, can I? Right? God wouldn't ask that of me. So Saul insisted, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag and destroyed everyone else. Then my troops. Oh, you know, I just can't control everyone. It's not my fault. What they do is their issue. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goat and cattle and plundered sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. It's not for them, they're going to sacrifice it. It's really for God. Don't you understand? Can't you see that it's we really have good hearts here? But Samuel replied, "What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices?" or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. What was the purpose of the worshipful act of sacrificing? It was to cover their sins. It was to be in a pleasing aroma to God for the forgiveness of sins. And here, God is saying to Saul through Samuel, no, you've got it all wrong. Don't sin. <laughs> your obedience is so much more important than your worship trying to make up for what you did. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He goes on. Verse 23. And submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Wow. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. Church disobedience has a high cost. It has a very high cost. King Saul here lost his kingship. He lost the kingdom because he was more afraid of the people and the culture and looking right and interpreting God's command through his own rose-colored glasses than he was in honoring and obeying and doing what God said. We started this in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, we watched uh, a week ago, we watched Esther here on a Friday night. The, the play of Esther. You know, they made a big deal of it, and I've never put the two and two together in, in such a way until they made such a big deal about it at that play. An Agagite, he said. An Agagite? An Agagite? Do you realize what this means? He's an Agagite? He was a descendant of King Agag. Haman, who tried to wipe out the entire Jewish population on the planet during Xerxes' rule in the book of Esther was an Agagite. He was a distant relative of King Agag, the Amalekite. God knew exactly what he was talking about when he gave Saul the command to wipe them off the planet. But Saul thought he knew better. Saul's disobedience had two major repercussions. Number one, read the book of Esther. Number two, he lost the kingship because he thought he knew better. He thought that obedience didn't have to be complete. But the reality is something very different. Verse 24 Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was, what? Afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. The fear of man, church, can destroy you. It is so dangerous to be afraid of man instead of having the fear of the Lord as your priority. You know what? God is looking out for your best interest. He's not trying to put you under a curse. He's not trying to make things difficult for you. He's not being—he's um, not being cocky and just asking things of you to see if he can control you. He's actually looking out for your entire future, just as he was for his people. He was looking out for his people. He said, I know what's going to happen. I read the book of Esther already. I'd really like this not to take place. But here, Saul thought he knew better. And it causes problems, not only for him immediately, but later on as well. Partial obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. But I really feel like I got the gist on this thing. Sure I didn't do it exactly right, but I really think I got the concept. God really doesn't care about your concept. He knows. He knows your future. He is very interested. In your future. He knows what you need so much better than you do. You and I don't know what we are avoiding. Simply by obeying now. You don't know the steps that are being put into place. That your obedience will cause later down the road. Just because you said yes to something. That maybe seemed ridiculous to you. All of them? You want me to kill all of them? I thought you were a loving God. This just doesn't sound like you. No, you can't really mean that. No, he really did. So, um, let's go back to the people of Israel way, way, way back when they have come out of the wilderness. No, I'm sorry, they came out of Egypt And they come through the Red Sea, and God brings them to their promised land. He brings them to the place where he says, this is for you. I want you to enjoy this. I want to give this land flowing with milk and honey to you. It is your promised land. It's for you. Go ahead, guys. Go spy it out. Take a look everywhere at how amazing the fruit is. You're going to find, guys, that it's going to take two of you to carry one bushel of grapes. The fruit is so amazing in the land I'm giving you. It is awesome. Go, go ahead. Go see how awesome it is. And so sure enough, the Moses sends out 12 spies. We know the story. It's not unfamiliar to us. He sends out 12 spies, and sure enough, they see how amazing everything is, but they also see how big... And fierce and ferocious, the people there are. And they freak out. They freak out and say, ah, uh, we can't do this. We can't do this. It's it's. There's no way we can do this. And here is what Caleb, one of the 10, says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. The land will devour anyone who goes to live there. Was that what God said? No, not even slightly. He said, this land, I'm giving it to you. This land is for you. So the people rebel. They completely turn their back on on God and say no. Let's just let's just get a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt. Um, well, at least we know what we're dealing with in Egypt. It's so much better than trying to go there. We can't do that. And God, um, He took that very personally, very personally, and He said, "Yes, everything that you have said, you're right. You can't." And it would have been better had you just died in the wilderness. I agree with you. So let's just spend the next 40 years wandering in circles till all of you die off so I can take your kids and we can do this thing. All because of disobedience. They said, we can't do this. We're not going in but see delayed obedience is just as bad as disobedience in in chapter chapter 14 of numbers verse 34 this is what god says says because your men explored the land for 40 days you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years a year for each day suffering the consequences for your sin Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. The Amalekites found out what it was like having God for an enemy. The ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Don't gossip, it's deadly. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. When Moses reported the Lord's word, words to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Then they got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of hills. Let's go, they said. We realize that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the land the Lord had promised us. But Moses said, Why are you now disobeying the Lord again? Why are you now disobeying the Lord's order to return to the wilderness? It's not gonna work. Do not go into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. And they again rose up and said, We can certainly do it. We were wrong to rebel against God. We don't know what we were thinking. It's not too late. Let's go. And so they went up, and they were completely destroyed. Because delayed obedience isn't obedience either. You know, Saul didn't understand why God was asking him what he was asking him. The Israelites here, they were so caught up with the hugeness of the enemy before them They couldn't see past their own fear. They couldn't see how God could do this, how good he could bring them in. After all, we're just former slaves. How could this be this good? But he was. It was God's plan to bring the children of Israel directly in. He had their best in mind. If they had only obeyed, they wouldn't have wandered around in circles for forty years, waiting to die off. If they had only obeyed God, we when um several several years ago, how many years ago? Fifteen. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Fifteen years ago, we were in real dire need for a vehicle, and um a, a friend or someone I knew. Um, had was selling a Eddie Bauer Edition uh, Ford Explorer with leather seats. And that wasn't the best part. The best part, it was actually in our budget. And we were so excited and we went and test drove this thing, and we just couldn't wait to because uh, it, it drove great. and we were so excited to, and we really, really, really needed it. Did I mention we needed it? Sometimes need can make you jump the obvious steps of obedience. And so it was in our price range. It was a great ride, but we were smart enough and wise enough to stop and pray and ask God what we should do. And I knew in my spirit we had to wait. And I knew that was not what my wonderful half, that's a real word, you can ask any teacher here. My more incredible I'm just going to do this all day, um, it wasn't the most popular news to have to give. and And we prayed, and we knew we had to wait. So we did. We didn't jump on it like we wanted to, like we needed to. Like we knew in our heads that if we didn't jump on this, someone else was going to buy it and snatch it up because the price was so good. You know, that kind of deal. And we waited. And it was hard. It was hard to let go of the very thing that we so desperately needed. And so. Three days later, about, give or take, it was too long ago to remember, (laughs) we get a call from this guy that I know, and he says, hey, I'm sorry, but I can't sell you the Explorer. And of course, my first thought is, oh, somebody else bought it. And he says, the engine blew up. (laughs) And the transmission with it. (laughs) They had put it up on a lift, drained it, We're changing the fluids, and everything ceased. And that could have been us. And he said, so now I have to replace the engine and the transmission, which isn't a problem for me, but I'm going to have way too much money into it. There's no way I can sell it to you for what I was going to. You know what? God always knows. When we do the hard things that he's asking of us, that look like they just don't make sense. It's really God looking out for us all the time. I can remember when, when I first moved into the parsonage next door. When I first moved into the the parsonage, it was offered to me on like this. I was actually living in an apartment that God had provided supernaturally for $400 a month. And it was an awesome place. It was, it was my own little bachelor pad. Okay. It was one room, but it was awesome. (laughs) When you're a guy, you don't care. It's like, I have a bed. Yay. Um, and so the option was you can move in next door, but chances are likely we'll bulldoze it any day and make a parking lot. That was the offer that was provided to me. Isn't that a great offer, probably you know it reminds me of an eagle Montoya no um, uh in uh <laughs> yeah, I went there in the Princess Bride, <laughs> good job, most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen the Princess Bride, you've gotta see this movie. um it was kinda like <laughs> you can live there, we'll most likely bulldoze it in the morning, and so there were um people in my life who really dissuaded me. This is a horrible idea. Don't take, you know, give, don't give up that only $400 a month rent. Don't do it. But I prayed. I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, what are we supposed to do? No, not we, me. This is, this is way before you. And I knew I was supposed to move and it didn't make sense because it wasn't a very good offer but I knew I was supposed to move. Thirteen years later, my wife, myself, Lizzie, Noah, and Dylan moved out of that house. God always knows what he's asking. He always knows what he's asking. Even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't make sense, God always understands what he's asking. So today, maybe you're here and you've been guilty of trying to figure out what God really means and bringing cultural norms into what God's asking of you. We just need to repent. Maybe you're here today and You're guilty of delayed obedience. We, too, need to repent. Can we just close our eyes and pray? I'd like to pray out loud, and if you would pray after me, because I think all of us, in one way or another, do this. Where we read something in the Bible, and we're like, whoa, that can't really mean that. He's really got to mean more something culturally relevant to me right now. But the reality is, is that obedience has huge benefits. And it also has serious ramifications when we don't. So would you just pray with me? Because I want to pray too. Say, Father God, forgive me for every time I haven't obeyed, when I knew it was the right thing to do, and I chose my way instead. I repent, forgive me, cleanse me, make me brand new on the inside. Clean my heart, mind, and soul that I can worship you and serve you and follow you with an absolute clean conscience. In your name I pray and everyone said. Amen, amen, amen. If you have a chance this week, it's so depressing and good. (laughs) Don't you love when a pastor starts with those words? It's so depressing and good. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm gonna read just a little passage here. But if you have time this week to read the entire thing man it really solidifies the blessings and the curses associated with our obedience but see I know that you're a people of God who are gonna do what's right who are gonna obey the command of the Lord who are gonna follow his spirit wherever he leads and not interpret the commands according to how is most comfortable for you so I know that that's not going to be your, your end. But instead, this will, because you are a people following after God. It says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, but shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. See, this is awesome. Then all the people of earth shall see that you are called by my name, the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Just like Saul's disobedience had ramifications, our obedience becomes a declaration to the entire earth of the goodness and faithfulness and strength and severity of our God. He is so good. And so in line with with what we've been talking this morning, I'd like my wife to come up and we we have quite an announcement for you today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We believe you can have a part in what God is doing through Passion Church. Your generosity helps us make a difference in the lives of those who are touched by the ministry here. Visit PassionChurches.com or simply text the word PassionNJ to 77977 and follow the links to give. Text and data rates may apply. If you have any questions or feedback that you'd like to share with us, everything you need can be found at PassionChurches.com. We can't wait to hear from you. On our website, you can download our app, connect with us on social media, and check out all that's happening here at the church again. Thank you for listening right here at Passion Church.